Hey, you guys, welcome to Ghosted Stories. It's Chelsea. It's Aaron. And man, my nose is really stuffy. I've just you, become hyper aware. It's real sultry. M- my, co- my coworker thinks I have walking bronchitis. What does it mean when it's walking? I have no idea. I I hear it and I think of it as like slow secret death. Oh. Like as if it's <laughs> it's like living in you and you think you're fine because you're like walking around like a normal person. But then you just one day wake up dead. But it's probably not that serious. But I yeah, I've had a cough for a long time and just kind of refused to deal with it only because my insurance sucks. And last time I went to the doctor, I had to pay $250 for ostensibly like prescription Mucinex. Like I could have just had Mucinex. Gotten Mucinex. That's neither here nor there. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Everybody. Um, maybe by this time when it's really Thanksgiving and then we're caught up to the future, I well, I'm, I might be dead or, or I might be feel better in a tryptophan coma. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And then it'll just be fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe turkey cures walking bronchitis. Um, I remember in school, for some reason, everyone always said they had walking mino- pneumonia. Pneumonia. And the boogie woogie flu. What's that? That's a song. Oh, but then I always thought it was like waltzing Matilda. And I was like so confused. I'm just really leaning into my like crazy old aunt at the party like wearing a lampshade and just like with the smoker's cough um <laughs> i don't smoke but that's uh, that's maybe why god has just given me this walking wait whatever. can i tell my absolute favorite Please crazy do. aunt story I wish is my friend i'm not gonna say her name to protect uh, her but she is like kind of a like a real fun kooky aunt who um after her aunt went through menopause she mailed my friend all of her old tampons and pads <laughs> Like, I'll what? never need these again. And I. Because <laughs> I'm like, one, how much did you stock so up? Yeah, and two, she that she's really like, prepared. done, done with this aspect of my life. Here you go, niece. <laughs> I assume you're still flowing. It's so funny. I was That's like fun. crying. Oh, it's so good. That. Yeah, she was just like hunkered down in her like tampon bunker, I guess. She's <laughs> just cleaning out the closet. Um, okay, so you guys. Special fun Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. It's just the two of us mm-hmm. and everyone listening. Um, we're going to talk about some some tales of love gone wrong. We're yes. going to lean into a true crime edition because you guys have asked for it. Yeah. And there's nobody that doesn't love true crime. True crime and dating, it's all the same. It's all the same. We assume if you listen to this podcast and are fascinated by human behavior when it comes to dating, that... You're surely fascinated by human behavior when it comes to murder. So um, (laughs) Brittany emailed us and said, hey, I know you all had mentioned doing an episode discussing the A&E Lacey Peterson special, which Mm. we've been talking about for months. I was wondering if you still plan to do that. I had so many thoughts after that, Aaron, and would love to hear what you all thought about it. Well, Brittany, it's your lucky day. My favorite thing, though, is too. Is we did tease that. And then Chelsea and I were like texting or emailing about like what to talk about. And she's like, well, we should talk about Scott Peterson. I was like, no, nobody cares. She's like, but we said we were going to. And I was like, ah, nobody pays attention. <laughs> but they do. But then you emailed and I was like, paid attention. oh, I was like, all right, well, I'm dumb. We should have talked about it. <laughs> so now we are. Well, we also, though, in our defense, have several times asked a guest mm-hmm. before we start recording, are you per- by chance familiar with the Scott Peterson case enough or passionate about it that you want to talk about it and everyone's always like no yeah just a hard no so we were like we're doing it ourselves <laughs> we'll do it fuck ourselves. it we'll do it ourselves uh and then exactly fuck it we'll do it live so 
All right. Uh, but now it's been so long. I was sitting there and I'm like, do I even fucking remember what happened? Okay. So, I mean, if you guys are familiar with the Scott Peterson case, which I think even if you don't think you are, you are. Do some It was such Googling. a cultural thing. It really was. It was like... It was like OJ level. It was like Menendez level. It was all. Like, I mean, deadly like Menendez level. The cover of every in terms of like the news cycle. Oh, it yeah. was in the news cycle every fucking day. Well, for like I think whenever it's a horrific years. murder involving families, a rich, pretty white woman. Oh, I mean, always. But then um, around Christmas time, just because I think the news cycle is so slow oh, yeah. around them, like the Jean like Jambonet. Uh-huh. Lacey Peterson. I think they that also means that there's it's just going to be more for attention. The news cycle picking. Because there's not, ain't shit going on. Now, do you remember when you, when it was happening live? Because it happened in like 2005. Yes, I was in, it was during college. I remember specifically, can peg it to uh, me being in college because I remember um, my friend Danica and I, shout out to Danica, she definitely doesn't listen to this. One of my best friends from college and my creative partner, we would like make all this shit together in college. Uh, and we made this movie, and in the movie, I, my character that I played made a joke about Scott Peterson being hot. But my character was supposed to be kind of like a dumbass, like sleaze. So I think we thought that that was like fine. Yeah. To make that joke. Anyways, that's why I remember that this happened in college. And, you know, in hindsight, Scott Peterson, I think, is supposed to be attractive. Like, I think that's supposed to be part of it. Like, I think he's supposed to be like, look at this charming, attractive dude. How did he murder his wife? And it's like, he's not really. He he's kind of like gives you the douche chills. Just like, oh, him. yeah. I think the one thing about this case, like whether you think he's guilty or innocent, he's definitely like a big dumb oaf. Yes. Like I, he, he ain't clever. No, he'd be like, yeah, I can just picture him at like a bar in Murray Hill. He would right. just be like with like all other guys that look exactly the same. <laughs> Um, no, I get he's like objectively supposed to be attractive. Right. I think that's like, right. Um, okay. So he looks like Ben Affleck if he like went through like a hall of mirrors and we just saw two and then you're like, uh, I guess that's him. Yes. It's too. Yeah. He's the like poor, poor, poor man's version Mm -hmm. of Ben Affleck. Um, so basically what happened was his wife, Lacey disappears and then turns up in the San Francisco Bay. She's pregnant. She's like very pregnant when she disappears. When she disappears, and so both the unborn child uh, and her, and that's also what made it so tragic. And so I think you know of public interest, and so of course, as you're one to do, and most oftentimes is correct that the husband mm-hmm. did it. Like you, you know, that's the first person you look at, and he was just exhibiting all sorts of like super suspicious behavior, like not acting in ways, and of course, you know some. Sometimes there's something to that. Sometimes you figure we're looking, we're scrutinizing these poor people too much and you can't know how you'll react, you Mm -hmm. know, when something traumatic happens to you. But he was just being kind of glib. He was like the very, you know, classic, like he's concerned about the wrong things. They're like trying to like do forensic shit to his car. And he's kind of like, don't scratch my car. I'm like broadly paraphrasing, but there's some things like that. where It's like, you're concerned about the wrong shit, buddy. And then the big reveal was the whole time he had a mistress, mm-hmm. this girl in another town that he was seeing. And he was like the kicker that always sticks in my mind is like he was at the um, memorial. Like memorial for Lacey and he's calling the mistress being like, hey, baby, how are you? Like, I'm in Paris. He's told her he's gone on this big like business trip to multiple foreign cities. I'm in Paris. Things are great or whatever. Yeah. And meanwhile, he's like literally at the memorial. And it was 
for a little bit, the mistress, her name's Amber, she wasn't privy at first what was going on. But then as, you know, as the case got more pickup, people were like, what the fuck is that the guy you're dating? And then she started cooperating with the police. So that's, she's recording these phone calls. She's pretending like, hey, Scott, baby, things are great. Meanwhile, like the FBI is listening in and Mm -hmm. she kind of helps bring him down. And, you know, the authorities are listening to this and like, what the fuck is this guy's deal? Like, yeah, but here's the thing. I feel like as I was watching this and I feel like this being the A&E special, which is is why it's like seven parts really digging really well done. And so, yes. And I think and I was like, oh, I don't know if he did it. People would be get irate in a way that like I was shocked and that people I don't feel like I discuss murder with anyone who will discuss it with me. And I feel like nobody else does. But this one, they're like, what the fuck is the matter with you? They're like, he definitely did did it. it. He did it. And I'm like. All right. And but I think there are a lot of misconceptions because yes. it's like with Amber, I think they made it seem like it, this was an ongoing thing and he was in love with this woman and he was like wanted to get rid of his wife for her. But like they had been on three dates. Right. It was it was that a serious. very new thing. And also that he said that his he was without his wife this Christmas was he, his, he his told, first Christmas he told without Amber, her. Oh, it's my first Christmas without my wife. It's really hard. And Meanwhile, then she disappears. She disappears I yeah. think that could be a coincidence because it's also, it's like he was actively trying to cheat on his wife. He is a scumbag right. piece of shit. Like that's not really could up be for a debate. sociopath. Could be yeah. he's at least a scumbag. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like, but also it's like you're, if you're out trolling for chicks to start an affair with, you're not going to be like, well, I'm married. She's eight months pregnant, but like, what do you do in Thursday? Like, you're going to be like, oh yeah, she's gone. Right. Like I, exactly. You're obviously going to make up either not mention that you're ever married or whatever, or yeah. Or you're going to make up a lie. Like, oh, I lost my wife. Oh, the divorce is tragic. Oh, like, whatever. Yeah. So I agree that that's not that weird. And also I should say, I'm with Aaron. That's kind of why we wanted to talk about the specials because I, I really was always I think it's one of those things. I think in some ways there's some high profile cases where people, people being just like society at large are still kind of divided or, and then I think with this one, it's sort of like we all collectively are like, he obviously did it. Like it's comically obvious, but then watching this A&E special, I was like, I don't know. I think there's more than reasonable doubt at the very least. I am surprised he was convicted. I could not have convicted I'm okay with him even being convicted. I oh, sure. my thing is I like, mean, like I don't as a think person, he should that's be. Fine. But like to the point of the law, probably was an injustice on his part. But like, who gives a shit? Because he's a sleazebag. I mean, no, I do think that there is evidence to point to oh, that really? he did it. But I don't think it's like overwhelming evidence. I right. think if he was it life in prison, it'd be okay. But the fact that he's on death row, right. That's the part where I'm like, right. To put somebody on death row, you need to be like a hundred percent. He did it, no shadow of a doubt. Like. And I think if somebody murders their pregnant wife, they should be on death row. But right. there is, n- but there's no forensic evidence. There's no, right, a hundred percent proof that he did it. So I'm like, and the jury was so skewed away from him that they didn't sequester the jury. Yeah. Afterwards, oh, yeah. they said that they had like they were watching the news. One of the jurors was like active on message boards, like Justice for Connor, which was her son's name, and Lacey. And it's like. And then the and then the one woman immediately after the um, verdict was delivered, like went out and was like, "He's a fucking scumbag. You gotta look into his eye when somebody talks to you and all this stuff." It's like, how is that not prejudiced right. against him? Right. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's the biggest, the first point you brought up about the forensic evidence. There literally is zero. Yeah. Which it 
it is crazy that he could be convicted and on death row with zero forensic evidence. And so here's some of the stuff. It's like, you know, clearly we're very prepared as per usual. <laughs> it's uh, parentheses, not at all. But some of the things that I thought were interesting. Okay, so basically why they convicted him or what the broad stroke story is, is that he was at work and this like that's near this what the, I can't even remember where he works. That's how well prepared we are. But he's like out. His office is like out near the, the he bay. He does construction. And it's out near the San Francisco Bay. So he like supposedly was like at work. And you can see he's like logged on to his computer. Like he can basically prove that he was like out there doing shit. Lacey was home. She went to walk the dog, mm-hmm. presumably, because there's lots of witnesses that say they saw her walking the dog. And that was also her routine. But none of those witnesses were la- were tes- testified at court that they saw right. her. Right. Well, because, wait, wait, let's get to that. Let's right. I want to do the broad strokes of what people think or whatever. And then because, yeah, that's well, like no, a huge thing. No, because the prosecution says that he killed her the night before. Oh, right, 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 right. Because that's the thing, too. They don't even have a time of death. They don't have how she died. They don't know when she died. And it's like, you should have those things if you're convicting somebody, putting them on death row. Right. So so the prosecution's trying to present, like, oh, he killed her the night before, and then he took her out to the bay, which is near, like, his office or one of his offices, mm-hmm. and then, you know, weighed her down, dumped her over the side of a boat, weighed her down with, like, bricks and stuff or cement cement, and then you know eventually the body deteriorates and it comes apart and like floats up to the top and that's when they finally found her whatever um but it all has to do right exactly like they they plot together this timeline and like you can see scott was out here and logged on to his computer this time so that's when he went out and he logged on to cover up and meanwhile the holes in the story are that all these people saw her walking her dog like men not just like one or two like in the two digits of numbers and of they people saw her walking saw her, dog. her walking in the circle that she walked like right. there are people who can plot her on the way and then the neighbor found the dog and let the dog in right because the, the dog was loose the neighbor found the dog just like loose in the yard put put her in the gate of the peterson's house and didn't think anything of it didn't think like oh the P- this is the day that Lacey disappeared or presumably or whatever um so didn't think it was weird that the dog was running around loose just thought oh this happens sometimes the dog gets out no big deal no cause for alarm put the dog didn't even like knock on the door to say mm-hmm. hey Lacey and scott i put the dog back in like this was a common thing put the dog back in went about her fucking day but she is this key critical point in the timeline because she remembers definitively on this day I put the dog in the gate and she had a receipt from she had returned from an errand. That's what it was like. She had returned from doing some errand, had a receipt from that errand with a timestamp and remembers pulling in from that errand. And that's when she saw the dog and that's when she put the dog away. So they tie this very critical like whatever at 1032 the dog was loose and was put in the yard the gate by the neighbor and that's why we know that by 1032 Lacey was definitely missing dead because that's why the dog was just loose because you know Scott had already been on his way to like drive her to the fucking place to dump her and the dog was accidentally loose right meanwhile there's all these witnesses that see her walking the dog after like this point in time when presumably this neighbor 
it's taken as gospel that this yeah. neighbor put the dog in the gate at this time because this neighbor like has a receipt. But it's like shit like that. Like that's I mean, I, in some cases, that's all you have. But like that's taken as gospel on the timeline. But one of the things that blew my mind in that a e thing is that um, they. Oh, and see, and now again, I'm going to I forget now if it was before or after. I think it was at some point. Basically, there's this mailman. <laughs> Like the any any documentary people found, there was this mailman that was the regular mailman. I mean, like every single obviously that's how mail people work. <laughs> so rain or he, shine, he was coming around and he was putting the mail in, but he also like scanned a package or something for either like the Petersons or one of the neighbors, um, and he always remembers think you know knew the peterson dog very well as you know male men and male women know the neighborhood dogs very well right and have to be conscious of them and he remembers hearing the dog in the backyard like or, or no i'm sorry he doesn't remember the dog. He, he remembers very specifically thinking oh that's weird usually around this time the peterson or like i know like if the dog's home the dog's barking at me so the fact that I am putting the mail here and the dog is not barking at me means definitively the dog is not home because mm-hmm. the dog has never been home. You know what I mean? Like the dog is always barking at me and he has a very definitive timestamp because of scanning that package. And so it blows up the neighbor. Oh, I put the dog in the gate because if she put the dog at the gate when she claims, then the dog would have been in the backyard and the dog would have been barking at the mailman. But since the dog was not barking at the mailman, the dog was definitely not home and was out on a walk. And so that means that Lacey was out on a walk during the time when Scott was definitively at work because he can prove he was logged on his computer. So Lacey is definitely out walking the dog because the mailman came, the dog was not home to bark. The many, many, many people along literally, like you said, her entire walking route were like seeing her. And then Scott was definitely, definitely logged on to his computer. So that I feel like is one of those things that kind of blows up. If he was at work and she was still alive walking the dog, something happened to her either when she went home, something Mm -hmm. happened to her out on the walk that maybe then the dog knew enough to run home. You know what I mean? And then the part, what do you think about the part that the A&E documentary brings up is that there's all these witnesses that knew there was like robberies going on in the area. Yeah. Across the street there, the house was robbed that day, that morning, that morning. Well, the other thing is like, so the prosecution is saying that she was murdered the night before he, he brought her body. And when he was up and logging into work, doing emails, he was also weighing down his wife's body with, uh, cement, cement anchors. But that morning at the house computer, there were searches for like sunflower maternity clothes, sunflower dresses, like things that only a woman would be searching for. And frankly, I don't think Scott Peterson is intelligent enough to do that. To be like, I know now that I just killed my wife, I better search like Martha Stewart recipes. Right. Right. And also if he did do, if he, if that was something he was doing to cover it up, like he, they never brought it up at trial. Right. So if you were like, oh, I created an alibi for yourself, wouldn't you be like, oh, check her computer. I think there might be something there. You'd yes. just be like, he's like, well, I don't know what the fuck. And then, um, right. So, so that blows up the prosecution's deal that she was dead the night before. It's like, she yeah. wasn't, she was up, she was searching things. People saw her. And then the craziest thing about the, um, 
a neighbor's house being robbed across the street, there's like, you know, and again, you should, you guys should just really on demand this Amy thing because yeah. it really it gives so much information. It's so interesting because it also sets up the first few episodes. You are kind of like, oh yeah, he did it. We're in this. He did it. And then it turns like mm-hmm. halfway through the episodes and you're kind of like, oh shit. Like, and did it he? really makes it an interesting case. But, um, yeah, they, there's like, basically what the theory is, is that there's a couple witnesses that, well, in addition to the people whose house was robbed, definitively their house was robbed. So they're witnesses. They know, and they know it was that day. And then there's a couple other witnesses who later in the day, remember seeing like this van driving and they can remember. And there's one witness that even was driving by and says, they remember that a van being in that neighborhood or even like parked across the street from the Petersons or somewhere nearby and a couple like, you know, thug looking people and a woman that seems like she fits Lacey's description, like confronting them. So the theory is sort of like that Lacey was kind of like a firecracker and that people agree that it would be in her character that if she saw what she thought was a robbery in progress at her neighbor's house across the street from her, she would not be shy to go up and be like, the fuck are y'all doing here? Like, is this your house? Do I need to call somebody? And that she would be confrontational in that way. Like she was kind of a little spitfire. And then it didn't, you know, they were like, oh, we will now murder you and like kidnap you. You know what I mean? To try to whatever. So there's this other interesting evidence, the documentary or the whatever series brings up that like, Apparently, there's literally an actual phone call that was recorded from an inmate at a jail. And the inmate is somehow like related to these people or best friends with some of the people that were convicted of this like little mini robbery ring that was happening in Lacey's neighborhood. And that he says on a jail phone call to some friend out in the world, like, oh, yeah. And then they were the ones that like killed that pregnant lady and then the guy on the other end of the call is like shut the fuck up shut the fuck up they record these and it's like a conversation where like but then one of the police officers at that place sent it to like the proper authorities like hey i think this is evidence in your case and everyone who was supposed to receive it claims that they never received it. Yeah. It just disappeared. Well, Which, here, like, what the fuck? Here are, here are two things that I think. And so one thing that I also, people come down on him for, he's like, why was he fishing on Christmas Eve? And I'm like, that's, I don't care. Yeah, who cares Because it's also, like, they weren't hosting. What the hell were they going to do? Just, like, sit and look right. at each other? It's Christmas Eve. Like, I, that would make sense to me. Like, yeah, go fishing, go golf, whatever. Right. So people are like, why would he, right. Like, and fishing, is his, claims, clearly his, cl- fishing is clearly his alibi for yeah, killing his like, wife. Who does that? Who fishes on Christmas Eve. Everybody. Like, like, they, what? They didn't have a, they didn't have a kid at that. Like, I'd understand if you had a few kids at home, you'd be like, yeah, why are you going fishing? It's Christmas Eve. But they're still, they were still just a couple. Yeah. But here, okay. So here's something that makes me think that like, you know, I'm like, oh, maybe he did do it because, well, he said he was going to go golfing, but then it was too cold or something. So we went fishing instead, which is crazy because fishing would be worse when it's cold. Right. That, I know. Or for some reason he was going to, he says he was going to go golfing. He went fishing instead. There are also are people at the marina. He, he had like a little boat and they saw him go and they were like, if he had a heavily pregnant woman, you would, you would notice that in the boat basically. And they didn't, but here. So he says spur the moment that morning, he's like going fishing. He applied for a fishing license two days before for that day. That's weird. So that's why I'm like, so that's a lie. And I don't think that's evidence to put someone to death, but I think that's something that makes me go like, huh. 
Yeah. And it's like, maybe though, that's what's interesting about all the things like this is like, that's definitely a, huh. But it could be an unfortunate coincidence that like really it was something shady he was doing for some other shady reason right involving like meeting a woman another mistress or something right you know but like unfortunately then your fucking wife goes missing and is murdered that day and then some people would say that's occam's razor but it's like this guy's just a shady seems like just a shady fucking dumbass that it sucks that his wife got murdered because he would be so the obvious you know suspect because he's such a fucking shady dumbass but there's no like concrete evidence that he is was exactly actually did this to his wife but then wait something you're saying about oh and then they did um in relation to the bow and taking his what the prosecution you know whatever says is that like he took the his wife dead pregnant wife's body out in the boat and then threw it overboard but they did like three or four or five times they made Scott like they were reenacting this with like, you know, something that would oh, be the like same a weight as though, the not body. Scott, not yeah. Scott. Oh, right, right. Not right. But they were trying to like recreate what it would be like in Scott's boat and with someone, the stature of Scott and like with whatever, like could he throw his pregnant wife also weighted down with concrete blocks overboard in his small fishing boat and it's like categorically no Mm -hmm. like the boat would capsize every time like it's physics which you know not to say there isn't another way you know but that just lends to the credibility of like someone with a larger boat and like multiple groups of people like maybe three thugs who are burglaring the neighborhood Mm -hmm. you know did it and not just fucking scott and his little dinghy fishing boat there's just too much that I think is more than reasonable doubt that like. Well, and then they're saying too that, I mean, cause then people are like, oh, and then the bodies show up sort of like where he was fishing, which they talk about on the thing where they're like, yeah, but everyone's talking about from the first day that he went fishing there. So it's like, if you were like, oh, let's try to frame this guy. It wouldn't, you wouldn't be a, need to be a genius to be like, let's dump the body here. Also, there's right. conflicting things about if Connor, which this is like horrific, but like if he was alive oh for a little God. bit before he died, which is terrifying to think of. But that's right. I forgot about that because they're saying, right. So basically it was in the news cycle day in and day out. Scott was fishing right here. So, and then if like you believe the theory that these robbers kidnapped her or that somehow she was kidnapped just by like stranger crime, you know, like someone who didn't know her, she got, was in the wrong place, wrong time. She was kidnapped by someone with, you know, bad intentions. Um, and then, right. So then they found the body and the, there some doctor said that definitely the baby died on this day, but some doctor said, no, it looks like the fetus was alive into January. Mm -hmm. And so then the theory is like, maybe she was kidnapped. She was killed a few days after Christmas. Then the body was dumped. That's why you can tell the fetus was alive several days after they were supposed to have, you know, supposedly be dead and buried on like Christmas Eve. And that the kidnappers got the idea to dump her in the San Francisco Bay because, Oh look on the news, the husband's a suspect. Why don't we just cater to that? And kill this woman we've kidnapped. We're tired of holding her hostage and dump her in the place where her husband's a suspect. That makes so much sense. That makes so much sense to me. Yeah, I think I, think, I, I still think I'm 
50-50 or 60-40 that he did do, do it, it still. But I do think that there's enough evidence to be like, not that he should necessarily walk free, but that he should be not on death row. Right. And right. I think I think it's a combination of, yes, of course, there's something to Occam's razor, like what seems yeah. the most logical is going to be the most logical. But I think people, especially when there's someone like Scott is lying through his teeth about everything. He's clearly has some sort of pathology but happening. Thing, but like when he was but acting like, strange at the beginning, he was lying because he knew he had a mistress. He right. wasn't, he was maybe he wasn't necessarily lying because he knew, because he knew what happened to her, you know? And right. also it's like your brain does weird things. Like totally. I know when I've been in times of like high stress or, like, I don't know, because I injure myself all the time. When I've, like, cut myself bad or something, like, you just start doing normal things. Like, you, your brain just shuts off the part where you're like, this is what I need to do. And you're like, oh, I need to finish washing the dishes while my hand is bleeding. And it's like, right. no, you don't. Like, not, you go to the hospital. Right. But it's just right. like, so I can understand that, like, your wife is with your unborn child has gone missing. And you're like, I can't handle that amount of stress and mm-hmm. what that would mean so I'm just going to focus on like don't scratch my car it, that's nonsensical but it's like right. I can understand how you would just be like this is too big for me to even let in right and then you're I 100% and I think like people have trouble especially when this the main suspect Scott is such a shady unlikable motherfucker you do say like, oh, but well, then it just seems so obvious and you can wrap it up in a nice little bow. And I think people still have trouble with like stranger crime. You know what I mean? Like people still sometimes have trouble with like, well, what are the chances? Oh, someone was just like drove by and it was just like a random kidnapping. It's like, yeah, that shit happens. Like, yeah. well, I think we don't want to think it does or we think that it sounds too like fantastical. But yes, crime with like between unknown people happens all the time and yeah. like if there's witnesses that say there's other crime going also the media painted it as very like this Id- idyllic neighborhood of like rich fancy white people in this you know perfect little san francisco suburb but according to the documentary they were steps away from this like um skid row like drug addict like real bad part of town it's like this really nice rich neighborhood that's like steps away from like you know how they say like the other like literally the other side of the wrong side of the tracks like you walk one block and you're in this bad part of town where you know what I mean so it's like it wasn't like oh my god things like that don't happen around here like the media wanted to paint it like things like that don't happen around here because that's like very sensational but like Mm -hmm. also bad things happen in rich fancy white people neighborhoods too you know it's just like people don't want to believe that it does but it's like the fact is more evidence points to that she met with misfortune being in the wrong place at the wrong time and it was like literally random crime than it or at least the same you can make a strong case either way that it was her husband or that it was random crime yeah so i don't know i'm actually really more on the side that like 60 percent he didn't did it didn't do it i really think if we were on a jury we'd be deadlocked we'd be deadlocked hopelessly well a fun um a fun statistic that i like to tell all my pregnant friends is that, do you know what the number one cause of death for pregnant women is? Abduction? Murder. <gasps> yeah. You're more likely to get murdered when you're pregnant than at any other time of your That's life. That's crazy. So you never having children? Very safe. I'm, I'm safe. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe it's like, yeah, my just instincts <laughs> that I never knew. My like instinct to stay alive. Yeah. And normally it is intimate partner violence. But um, yeah, I just think the burden of proof for um, the death penalty needs to be 
I mean, I'm against the death penalty in pretty much every case. Right. But, I mean, especially in this one seems like it's amazing he didn't get a mistrial based on, like, the jury not being sequestered, sort of what was found out about them afterwards. Like, they were, they interviewed a few jurors, and th- those people were kooks. Oh, totally. Like, totally. lunatics. Could you imagine having to be... Like, I was watching also a good one to watch. Did you watch Aaron, the Menendez brothers? For some reason, they're they're pegging it to Law and Order, which makes no sense, but fine. It's like Law and Order, true crime, the Menendez brothers. Oh, with murder. Edie Falco? Yeah, with Edie Falco as a lawyer and like... Um, and then just of all the true crime stuff we absorb for some reason in the moment of watching that was the first time I really had an out of body. Like I was putting myself in juror shoes and I was like, holy shit. Can you imagine? Cause people on that jury, I mean, as portrayed by the law and order true crime, I mean, obviously dramatized, but mm-hmm. like, you know, it was like these people saying this batshit crazy like well molestation ain't a real thing so they shouldn't kill people shouldn't kill their parents even they put food on the table who cares that there's a little touching you know what i mean and it's It's amazing they got yosemite sam on that jury it was like it was like wow who knew he was a real person but (laughs) could you imagine being on a jury and being like a mostly sane rational person with critical thinking skills and have to like deal with the insane people who don't have critical thinking skills and are just like, and like, what the fuck? I would just, I mean, a fate worse than the people on trial to be stuck in a jury room like that. I just can't fucking imagine. Also, I might have jury duty next week, so. Oh, that'd be fun. (laughs) I have to like call and see if I have to go in. Wait, we're up against a time crunch, so do we want to talk about Jeer John real fast? Okay, let's talk about Jeer John really quick before we have to Because I listened to four episodes, told Chelsea she had to listen to them all. As a good friend, she did. I stopped after that. (laughs) (laughs) So So I don't know how it ends, but spoil it for me. Okay, uh, we're going to spoil it. So if you guys haven't listened to Dear John, the podcast, it's like only six episodes or something, and you want to turn this off now and we'll also tell you before you turn this off um we're gonna take a little holiday break it's all my fault my job is spiraling out of control and i worked till one o'clock in the morning last night and it was friday night so you know we're just gonna take a little mental health chelsea break Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i can finish my job when it ends at the end of december um but then it also is the holidays so it's like a normal time to take a break spend time with your family guys stop listening to us stop listening to this garbage and just go do something good in the world but we'll be back um the first week in january so just like a short little holiday break um but so okay that's if you don't want dear john to be spoiled turn this off now email us at ghosted stories podcast at gmail.com if you want john is a podcast dear john is a podcast Yes. Um, okay. So basically, I'm going to spoil it for anyone who hasn't listened in for Aaron. Basically, the whole story is about this guy that like, I mean, he's 100% like a sociopath, like Grifter. psychopath. Like, yeah, he just is a con artist. Like he get, preys on older women on dating sites and will... And you should listen to the podcast for all the backstory. Like he was married at one point and had this crazy situation with the wife or, I mean, she kind of like kind of finally figured out who he was and that, I mean, he was like into all this illegal shit. It was just crazy. And finally divorces him. He goes to jail for a while for something drug related or I don't even remember. He's in jail for a while. Then the whole podcast though is about that. He meets this. It's about this woman that was seeing him and, also ends up marrying him Mm -hmm. and her family and how it affects him, how him being a psychopath like affects their family. Um, And also 
this woman has had a traumatic, crazy life because the woman who basically the podcast is about, who is dating, who they call Dirty John. Oh, Dirty John, uh, not Dear John. Oh, yeah, Dirty John. Sorry. God, I'm dumb. Dirty John. I mean, same thing. Dirty John. Um, Dear Dirty John. Um, (laughs) So she uh, has had a sister who was murdered by the husband. So she's already had this fucking traumatic situation in her life. Now she's dating a fucking psychopath. Um, and long story already long, or you should guys should go listen to the dirty John podcast. But basically how it ends is like, she at one point realizes like he's a dangerous person. Like she becomes afraid of him. She's like yeah. sleeping by him at night, but is afraid of him. And she's slowly trying to remove herself. She's slowly sending money to her children so that she can have money and like run away in the night. She, and she's slowly making plans to leave him. She does leave him. But then of course he comes back like, it's not like that. Da, da, da. Like he lies his way out of like all the things <laughs> Miranda Hobbs my cat is molesting Aaron <laughs> speaking of just reached out and groped her boob you have to ask first Miranda <laughs> enthusiastic uh, consent Miranda and so um oh god she's really got your necklace got- do you want me to get her away <laughs> okay so then she ends up taking him back so now she's taking because him back she's afraid of what he'll do or because she's like maybe maybe I was wrong she literally and talking to the person that guy who's narrating the podcast is like interviewing her and he's like this is the part that's hardest for me to believe of all the crazy things in the story is like why you went back to him when there was so much proof that he was a dangerous terrible lying sociopath sociopath psychopath and she's like i know and she's like i also find it hard to believe but she's like i just i was excuse me i was still in love with him and yeah. I wanted to believe he had an excuse for everything and a yeah. lie for everything. And I wanted to believe it because I still loved him. And I yeah. thought like maybe he's just misunderstood. Now in hindsight, I see that that was insane. And like I was free for a moment and then I actually put myself back in danger. But that's also very common. It's so common and things like that in abusive yeah. relationships. So, mm-hmm. so all her children, she becomes estranged from her children. Mm. She has a nephew that was the son of the sister who was murdered by Mm -hmm. the husband um and who is sort of like a adoptive you know son to her Mm -hmm. because since he grew up you know without a mother and she has two or three daughters of her own i forget um did one of her daughters also die from something tragic i may be making that up but all the kids and the nephew are sort of estranged from her because they're like, what the fuck? Because right. he also is threatening them. Like he would text the nephew because the nephew would be like, look, you got to go away from this guy. And yeah. he'd catch wind of it. And he'd text the nephew and be like, I'm going to fucking kill you if you come between me and my wife. Mm. So the kids were scared. And so it all ends with like, um, she finally she's back with him, but he knows that the kids are sort of like not into him. Oh wait, no, she does leave him again. She ends up leaving him again and getting away from him. And he's so bad. One day, like the one daughter comes home and sees that dirty John is like parked outside her house, but doesn't expect her. She's with another man and Uh he doesn't expect that. So he drives away really quickly. And then she's afraid and she goes to the 
uh, other like littlest sister's house. Her name is uh, Tara. Mm-hmm. And she's like trying to make sure Tara's okay because she's like, oh shit, he didn't get to me because I spoiled his plan because I wasn't next. alone. But maybe he's going to go get Tara. But Tara was okay that night. And then a couple days later, Tara's coming home from work, broad daylight. It parks in her apartment building complex parking lot. She has like a little dog or maybe it's like a medium sized dog, whatever. <laughs> in the backseat. She has a dog. And then she gets out of the car and Dirty John was parked there waiting for her, blindsides her, attacks her with a knife, gets <gasps> her down on the ground, is stabbing her. <gasps> She's fighting him off. The dog is like on his leg, like trying to, but like it's not <sighs> big enough to like get him. She's on the ground on her back. Dirty John's on top of her trying to, this is fucking her mother's ex-husband or like actually current husband, but like separated. Yeah, yeah fucking stabbing her trying to murder her a 15 year old girl who had just gotten home from lifeguarding or something like sees this happening the whole apartment complex can see what's happening the only person who reacts is a 15 year old girl who says mom call 911 runs out of her apartment uh i love a a teenage girl right in the world absolutely and goes and is like by the time she gets down there she's she's taking she grabs a towel because she's like, oh, this woman is going to need, is bleeding a lot, is going to need this the towel. The 15-year-old? Yeah, but it's not even thinking, but how am I going to defend this but there's football player-sized man with a knife that's trying to murder her? 15-year-old girl isn't thinking. She just knows she has to help. She's a goddamn She's saint. like, I don't leave, I don't stop lifeguarding when <laughs> I leave the pool. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I lifeguard everywhere I go. <laughs> also, maybe she wasn't even a lifeguard. I think she okay. was. Fact check me. But so... um. She, by the time she gets down there, Tara has remembers that she loves The Walking Dead. And she remembers that on The Walking Dead, you have to stab them in their brain to, like, kill them. Okay, the zombies. And she also was thinking about she loves watching, like, other, also, like, true crime or, like, stuff with, like, fighting. And she always remembers thinking to herself, oh, you have to hold, like, the knife Instead of like in this one certain way, I'm making a motion. Like instead of like basically palm up and thumb on top, you kind of have to like hold it like with more of a fist. Otherwise, like, the knife will get like thrown up. So she's thinking of all these things that she picked up from TV. Oh, love it. Love that it, save her life because she she ends up like somehow miraculously sort of like kicking him with both. Somehow she miraculously like he's like stabbed her like really deep in her arm and stuff, but like nothing like that's like to like gotten her down for the count yet. And she somehow kicks him in such a way that the knife flies and it lands beside her and the handle's facing her. So she grabs it and she reaches and she stabs him in the <gasps> fucking eye. Yes, she does. Oh, and then um, she's still, she's stabbing him. She's stabbing, she's stabbing him everywhere and like stabs him other places and stabs him in the eye. So of course now he's like having a seizure or something. Great. And um, then Tara's so afraid she runs away down this hill and the 15 year old girl is following her and like here's a towel like for your arm and are you okay and Tara's afraid to go back up the hill she's screaming like get my dog because she's afraid the dog's not gonna be okay and then like but she's afraid that dirty John is like still gonna come back to life so good plan though good plan yeah so ambulance comes turns out they do resuscitate him he's not dead why but he ends up being like brain dead and they end up like pulling but so she calls her mom and is like hysterical and she's like i think i killed your husband and the the mom is like what the fuck and like comes running and like because honestly wait i'm pretty sure guys listen i'm bad at this but i think they were separated at that point 
I don't think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were separated. I but bet they were they still were. married. They're still married. Yeah, and that's why he was like trying to get revenge. So yeah, he ends up like they have to pull the plug in the hospital because he's like brain dead. But is that insane? Can you imagine the way that that woman must feel that like I brought this guy back into my life? It's like, but you can't blame yourself. Like shit happened. Like she probably she would have not ever thought. I don't know. But the kids the whole time were like, we are, he's threatening us. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh my God. Can you imagine stabbing someone in the eye? I, Having your not. mother's husband trying to murder you and then murdering him and stabbing him in the eye. Anyways, you guys, uh, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, that's a whirlwind. That's amazing. It's a whole thing. Um, but we need you guys to, in the meantime, yes, please email us ghostedstoriespodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Email us your stories. Uh, we love to. You guys have great stories. The last one we got, Jackie's was awesome. Um, comments, questions, concerns, anything. Other true crime things you want us to talk about? Oh, yeah, we'll talk about Why true crime. Not? We'll turn this into a true crime podcast so fast. <laughs> we'll turn on a dime. We won't look back. Yeah. Um, all right, you guys. Have a happy holidays. We'll talk to you in January. Boo. boo. Mary Boo. Boo.